came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide, you fellows abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And so they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Don't, don't you kill your boy. Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do him any harm. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that you would not withhold your son, your only son, from me. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Our Life of Faith study series concludes here with Genesis chapter 22 where we see Abraham's test of faith leading to his obedience of faith. In this chapter, Abraham is tested as to his faith in God. And here, Dr. Mitchell draws out the distinction between Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where Abraham is justified by faith, and Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, where he is tested in his faith. Now, there is a parallel in the New Testament between Romans chapter 4, verse 3, where Abraham is justified by faith, and James chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, where it is written that Abraham was justified by works. Now, there is no contradiction here. Please note, there was 25 years difference between the root and the fruit. You're listening to Dr. Mitchell here in Genesis chapter 22 on the test and obedience of faith on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. We continue our studies on the tests of faith, or the overall subject, the life of faith. And again, may I say, my friend, it's possible for you and me to live the life of faith, that is, to live and walk in fellowship with God, irrespective of all our circumstances. This has been true down through the centuries. And now we come to the last test of faith that I want to take up, and this will be the obedience of faith. Now, if I may refresh your memory, and I don't mind doing this because it's good to get a telescopic vision of truth, where Abraham was tested as to the fervency of his faith and of the sufficiency of faith. Then, that's chapter 12. 
Then he was tested as to the humility of faith in chapter 13. This has to do with Lot, with his, with his brethren. And then we have the courage of faith in chapter 14 and the dignity of faith. Then in chapter 15, we have the reward of faith. The reward is God himself, his promise and the revelation of his purpose. And then we had the patience of faith in chapter 16. And here Abram failed. And then we had the, the sample faith in chapter 18. Faith in the God of resurrection. The one who is able to bring life out of that which is dead. And then in chapter 18, we had the, the energy of faith, of which we've been dealing in our last lessons. Uh, Abram the intercessor. Uh, we took up the condition of Sodom and of how God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, these vile cities, and of how Abram stood yet before the Lord. He stood between the Lord in his righteous judgment and a people in their immorality, corruption, and under the wrath of God. And he pleaded, and God knew he would plead, just as God knew that Moses would plead, and that Jeremiah would plead, and so forth. And Paul would plead in Romans. God has always had men who walked with him. And you'll notice that these great men of God knew something of pleading with God. And they always pleaded with God on the ground of his person, his righteous person, and his word, his promise. And so you find Abraham pleading with God for the Sodomites. And again, I'll repeat the statement, if Abraham had not pleaded for the Sodomites, who would? And if you do not pray for your unsaved friends for your city, no one will. I can think of New York with its millions of unsaved people. But who prays for New York? I think of Chicago with its corruption. Who prays for Chicago? No, we're living where we are. God holds me responsible to pray for the unsaved of Portland. God holds you to, responsible to pray for where you live. If you don't pray for them, who will? This is a tremendous responsibility, and yet it's the fruitage of living in Hebron, the place of fellowship with God. As I said before, and I repeat it, when Abraham uh, received his first promise of an earthly seed, he moved and pitched his tent in Mamre and Hebron, the place of fellowship. He lived on the fatness of communion with God, and while he's there, this is where God meets him. And God revealed himself, first of all, as El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. And then he revealed himself as El Shaddai, the one who is all-sufficient to meet every need. Now we come to chapter 22. And here we have the obedience of faith. And I'd like to read. It came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide 
you fellows abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Let me just stop here. Notice, please, it is Abraham that is tested, not Isaac. In fact, I would say in this passage, there is given to us a revelation of the heart of God. God is going to lead his friend into an experience he himself would go through 2,000 years afterwards. Now notice, please, Isaac in chapter 21 has been born. Ishmael is gone. Lot is gone. But he still has Isaac. Now God says, give me Isaac. I again say the test is with Abraham, not Isaac. Now, he gave up Lot. He first of all gave up his kindred in chapter 12. Then he was severed from Lot in chapter 13. And then, then Ishmael had to go. But he still had Isaac. Now, I want you to give up Isaac. God did test Abraham. Now, in chapter 15, Abraham was justified. In chapter 22, he is the godly man tested. Just like you have in Romans chapter 4, you have the ungodly man justified. And in James chapter 2, you have the godly man tested. There's no argument between Romans 4, where Abraham was justified without works, and in James 2, Abraham was justified by his works. In one, you have the root. In the other, you have the fruit. In, in Romans, the ungodly man justified without works. In James 2, the godly man tested by his works. You're not saved by your works. You're tested. And the test is to give up your only son whom you love. One is very much reminded of John 3.16. God gave his only begotten son. Do you remember that? It's, it wasn't very hard to let God, let Lot go. It was harder to let Ishmael go, the fruit of the flesh. But to sacrifice his only beloved son, oh, brother, this is a real test. Now, notice his deliberate action. And Abraham rose up early in the morning before Sarah was awake. And if you notice in that verse, in verse 3, how many times he uses the word and. He rose up early in the morning and Saturday down. Every step is a step of faith. It reminds us of our Lord in Matthew 16. Our Lord must go to Jerusalem. He must go to be a sacrifice. That's the first time mentioned in the New Testament in chapter 16 of Matthew. Do you remember how Peter said, you get the idea out of your head. You're not going to die. I've just declared you are the Christ, the Son of God. Die? The Son of God dying? Why, why, said Peter, get that idea out of your head. Yes, he must die. He must. He set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. He must die. Abraham set his face, deliberate action. And notice in verse 5 is his faith. And Abraham said unto his young men, You fellows stay here, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, you remember, he's going to sacrifice his son, but his heart is cheered by the thought of resurrection. As Hebrews chapter 11, 
verses 17 to 19, he knew somehow that God would give his son back to him. Just like you have in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that which encourages our heart is the fact that our Savior not only died, but he was raised again from the dead. Now notice the preparation for it. This is wonderful to me. In verses 6 to, six to 8, just 6 to 8 first of all. Now remember, he's leaving the servants, and he said, I and the lad are going yonder to worship, and we will return to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. I want you to mark that statement. They went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God himself will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. You know, I kind of like this. They went both of them together. Oh, the wonderful intimacy of fellowship between Abraham and Isaac, his beloved son. You know, the test is Abraham. I want you to get this. He took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. What a picture of Jesus bearing his cross. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, the weapons for death. And they went both of them together. Now you can just picture them going on together. Isaac is carrying enough wood. And by the way, don't think that he's a boy 12 years of age. I believe Isaac was cut possibly in his 30s, possibly 30 years of age. Because the next picture of him is 40 years of age. In chapter 23, 24, he's 40 years of age. But here you have him. He's got to carry enough wood three days' journey up a mountainside, enough wood to burn him up. He's carrying a load. And his father is walking by his side with a fire in his hand and with a knife. And here's the test. Isaac said, Father? He said, Yes. Well, here's the fire, and here's the word. Where's your offering? Where is your lamb for a burnt offering? See, all the offerings were burnt offerings before the law was given. That's the offering of worship. And Abraham had said to his young men, you stay here, and I and the young man will go yonder and worship and come back again. And Abram said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. My, what a test. Abraham didn't say, Isaac, you are the lamb for an offering. You are the sacrifice. No, he said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for an offering. So, all the communion, the fellowship they had together. I, Abraham, 130 years of age. Isaac, 30 years of age. And yet, intimate fellowship. And so they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, 
and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Don't, don't you kill your boy. Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do him any harm. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that you would not withhold your son, your only son, from me. And you remember, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the, in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, or God's provision shall be seen. Oh, the wonderful thing here. They went both of them together, and now Isaac is upon the altar. By the way, if I were speaking on Isaac, I would notice the fact that Isaac was a willing offering. You know, Isaac could easily have overcome his father. He's carried the wood three days' journey up a mountainside. He's a strong young man. His father is a hundred years older than he. He could easily have resisted his father. So we could speak of the, of the willingness of the son. He was a, a willing offering. Christ died as a willing offering. Uh, not my will, but thine be done. He willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for you and me. But what I'm getting is Abraham, the test of Abraham. He had said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and we will return to you. But now the knife is raised to slay his son. He's going to plunge it into the heart of his son. And God stopped him and said, that's enough. Do thy son no harm. And God provided a sacrifice. May, may I suggest, my friend, this wonderful picture? I said God would not permit Abraham to go through what he himself would go through. Do you remember I was emphasizing the fact they went both of them together right through until you come to the sacrifice? God would not permit his friend Abraham to go through what he himself afterwards would go through. You remember that Jesus was with his father when they made the worlds. I was with him when he made the worlds. Before ever the earth was framed, that was his daily delight. I'm quoting Proverbs chapter 8. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, let us make man in our image. It's plural. Who was there? The Father and the Son. They were together. And God said, when Adam sinned in the garden, behold, man is become as one of us. Who's the us? The Father and the Son. You go to chapter 11 of Genesis. God's going to scatter the nations among on the earth. You remember? What will they do in their rebellion against us? So God scattered them upon the face of the earth. All down through the centuries they were together. When he was born as a babe in Bethlehem of Judea, they were together. When our Lord was a boy, 
12 years of age. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? All down through his life as he walked among men. He could say in John chapter 8, the father hath not left me alone. In John chapter 16, tonight you're all going to run away and leave me. But I'm not alone, for the father is with me. And when he bore his, when he stood before Pilate, they were not alone. When he bore his cross to Golgotha's brow, they were together. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they were together, as well as at Pilate's Hall, as well as he carried his cross. There was never a second in eternity that they were ever separated. They went, both of them, together in perfect, wonderful fellowship. And then when they nailed Jesus to the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Separation. God would not permit Abraham to experience separation from his son. He would not allow his friend to go through what he himself would go through. The time came when Jesus, the Son of God, bore your sin and my sin, and because he loved us, he bore away our sin and cried out, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Separation. But God raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. The obedience of faith. Oh, friend, is it nothing to you that the Son of God went through this terrible test? Is it nothing to you that God the Father, in his great love for you, gave up his Son to die as a sin offering, as an accursed thing, that you might be saved? Is it nothing to you that God loved you enough? He spared not his own Son. I think of that passage in Second Peter chapter 2, God spared not the old world, and God spared not Sodom and Gomorrah, and God spared not the angels that saint. I can understand all that, but how can I understand? And God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8, 32. Oh, my friend, we love him because he first loved us. Here in his love, not that we loved God. He loved us and sent his son to be the redeeming sacrifice for our sins. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by, that God should give his son to die for you? The obedience of faith. What for? That you and I might not die, that you and I might be delivered from sin, that you and I might become the children of the living God. Oh, God grant that you and I will live the life of faith, Oh, to walk in continual daily fellowship with such a God who loved us with an everlasting love. May this be your continual portion until Jesus comes. Life is moving faster than it ever has before. What tomorrow brings us 
isn't certain anymore. So many paths from which to choose, don't know which way to run. Cause every road leads nowhere, every road except for one. Praise the Lord, He never changes. I come to Him, He's always there. He comforts me. takes the burdens that I bear. Praise the Lord, He never changes. He's never any other way. And He'll be the same tomorrow as He was and is. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. Thank you for listening to The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.